0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As many of you know, back in September, a group of women from St. Michael traveled to Spain to hike the last leg of the Camino de Santiago. The Camino is an ancient pilgrimage route, and people come from all over the world to walk it. The reasons one makes the pilgrimage are as varied as the folks on the trail. And hearing their stories is part of the experience. For many of our ladies, the most impactful moments on the Camino came from encounters with folks that they had never met before. What we found is that there is something special about walking a part of the road with someone who had been a stranger. There is a beauty about this kind of encounter, an openness with each other that would not be possible if we had known each other from our other context. You've probably had these kind of experiences yourself while traveling, while visiting friends or family, while standing in line or waiting for an appointment. These chance encounters, these one-off conversations with strangers can help us see things in new ways can reassure us of our common humanity and can rekindle hope in ourselves and in others. We have such an encounter in our gospel passage for today. Two men are traveling the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We understand that they are friends, walking together, heading home from an important and meaningful event, offering each other support as they try to unpack the disturbing experience they've just had. They are so wrapped up in the pain of what has happened that it barely registers when another traveler comes alongside them and asks what they are talking about. We know he is Jesus, but Cleopas and his companion do not. They stop in their tracks at Jesus' question And Cleopas asks, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there these days? And then Cleopas tells the whole story, how Jesus was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, how the authorities had handed him over to be crucified, how Jesus' followers had hoped that he was the longed-for Messiah who would save Israel, how now, three days later, His body is missing from the tomb. Some women have given an account of being greeted by angels and told that Jesus is alive, but this is an unsubstantiated claim, probably fake news. Cleopas' account to Jesus sounds as one who just needs to get all of this stuff off his chest. He needs someone to process with. It's as if he needs to hear himself speak the words of his pain and loss and disappointment to actually own them. But we had hoped, Cleopas says. But we had hoped. This really is the crux of the whole story. He and his companion are grieving their lost hope they understand their story in a particular way. Jesus was killed and so their dreams for where the world was heading, where life was heading, were killed as well. They are so deeply covered in the story of their own expectations and disappointments that they are unable to see things any other way. But then Jesus speaks into their story. He says, Don't you see? Don't you understand? Was it not necessary that the Messiah suffer these things and then enter into glory? And he walks them, literally and figuratively, through all the places in Scripture, from Moses to the prophets, that speak of Jesus and his mission. He tells them, the story you're telling yourselves is not the story God is telling. Your experience is real, but it is not the last word on what God is up to. You need to see your story as part of the bigger story that God is writing, not just for you and not just for Jerusalem, but for all of God's world. Sometimes our familiar stories, especially our stories of pain and loss and disappointment, close our eyes to a new story. But we had hoped. So much is said in those four words as they speak of a future that is not to be, a promise that proves untrue, a dream that does not materialize. But we had hoped that the cancer would not return, that the addiction would be overcome, that my beloved would not die, that the job would materialize, that my family would be a source of help instead of hurt. These are real losses. And we need to sit in them, name them, and absorb them we ought not rush folks from their cross-like experiences to the promise of resurrection. Sometimes, resurrection might take longer than three days. But what we're told today is that Jesus comes upon us and walks beside us even if we don't realize that he's there. And when we're ready to tell our story, he is there to hear it. And then he's ready to take our story and show us how it fits into God's story. He invites us to move from seeing our circumstances in an inwardly focused, blinded way to seeing the particulars of our lives as being gathered up in God's bigger story of the redemption of the world. In the midst of all we're experiencing, as individuals, as this faith community, as our nation and the world, what is the story we're telling ourselves? And how might the story we're telling keep us from seeing God's surprising activity in us and in the world? What might be conspiring within us to keep us from perceiving the promise of resurrection right in our midst. In our day, Cleopas' story to Jesus might be, Are you unaware of everything that is happening here? We've been asked to stay home for weeks on end. Folks have been ransacking the grocery store and hoarding, especially toilet paper, Some of us have lost our jobs, and those of us who still have one know that we'll be living in an unstable economic reality for months, if not years. People are getting very sick. Some of them are dying, and many of those dying are doing so without their loved ones at their side, holding their hands, because they are unable to enter the hospital or the care facility. Our healthcare and first response and essential workers are putting their own health at risk. And at the same time, folks are protesting that the economy needs to be open faster. It is a mess. But Jesus has come alongside us, and He's inviting us to see this story as part of the bigger story of God's redemptive work in the world. Yes, he says, all that you say is true. There is loss and pain and uncertainty. But look at the ways people are coming together to care for one another. Look at the restaurants that are keeping their staffs employed by having them prepare meals to feed healthcare workers and first responders. Look at the neighborhoods where folks who didn't even know each other now stroll past greeting and asking after one another, checking in on those who are most fragile. Look at the families who are getting up every morning going out to the street to say the Pledge of Allegiance and sing the national anthem with their neighbors before heading back inside for work and school lessons, creating a daily rhythm in the midst of this changed reality. Look at folks who have come out of every corner to make face masks so that in the midst of a shortage, everyone who needs one can have one. Look at the many creative ways that people are using technology to connect with one another, to make one another laugh, to share resources. Look at the outpouring of donations in food and funds to distribute meal boxes to our most vulnerable families so they won't go hungry. What I want us to see is that Jesus' invitation to see our story as part of God's bigger story is always based in community. He gives us one to another And it is in showing up for each other that we move God's redemptive ball down the field. In community, we are able to shift our focus to see that our story is gathered up with others in God's bigger story. Haven't you been heartened by all who have witnessed to God's love and generosity in the midst of this very hard situation? Don't you feel drawn to offer your own generosity as well? Friends, this is how we tell a new story. This is how we move from, but we had hoped, to God is in this place. This is how we move from crucifixion, to resurrection. Amen.